I was kind of familiar with. His name was Mitch Albom. In fact, in my series I did on happiness just before Christmas time, I found that there was a book that I was reading on his on happiness. In fact, he was the same author that wrote Tuesdays with Morrie. So I reached for the book and I pulled it out and lo and behold, it was called The Time Keeper, which was quite interesting because I'd also heard this great communicator by the name of Bill Hybels talk about time. And I've been thinking in January when I get back to New Community, I would like to talk about time. So I pulled out this book by Mitch Albom and it was called The Time Keeper. And it was essentially a fabled story about the first man who ever measured time. He had rudimentary instruments, he had a stick and he had the stun, that's not rudimentary, and he, and, and he had a shadow. And he would measure time, he was consumed by measuring time. In fact, this fabled gentleman by the name of Dor became known as Father Time. And Father Time discovered that he was so passionate about measuring time that he lost time of keeping track with the important things around about him. He discovered over thousands of years that he could count the minutes, but he did not use his time wisely. And so God in this book, The Timekeeper, sends Father Time on a mission to earth to find two souls. One soul that wants time to hurry up and one soul that wants time to slow down, to teach them the lesson that you can measure minutes but you may not always use your time wisely. So that's what I'd like to talk about in the moments we have together this morning, is time. You can check your phone, check your watch, check your clock right now, and it'll give you a precise measurement of where you are time-wise right now. But it will not tell you if you're using your time wisely or not. In fact, we have a whole bunch of phrases, don't we, about time. That's one of them. Maybe if you're late always, someone will say, about time. Or maybe you're on time. Or maybe you are someone who wastes time. One of the challenges that Marlon had with Dory there is that he perceived her and she was a time waster. In fact, she was someone who forgot time. And in the cause of that was actually making sure that, which he didn't know it at the time, that Marlon was actually losing track of trying to capture and reclaim that which he loved, his son. He was concerned that she was wasting time. There's other phrases that we use, buying time, or maybe losing some time, or maybe you're having a a great experience and you say, man, didn't the time fly? Or maybe you're an examiner and and you use the words, time's up. Or maybe um, uh, the whole idea of uh, if you're misbehaving, someone might say, hey, you need some time out. I mean, there's all different phrases we use for time. If you were to look back on your 2014, what phrase would you use in relation to your time? What of those phrases would you say best epitomises the use of your time? Because when you look into 2015, I wonder if you've taken any time to consider how you're going to use your time wisely so you get the maximum input of your investment. What would that actually look like? Because this morning what I'd like to do is not only just ask you how you measure time, but ask you a big overarching question that I think is really important and pertinent for us to, to look at at the beginning of 2015, and it goes something like this. Who do you want to become in 2015? Let's dig a little bit deeper. Who might God want you to become in 2015? You might be surprised to learn that 
Jesus followers, that are people who call themselves Christians, are called to think about time differently. Think about time and, uh, if you like, look at it and perceive it in a different way. The Bible says these words. A man by the name of Paul, who wrote a letter to a group of Christ followers that were living in Philippi, in chapter 2 he says this, So my dear people, you always did what I said, so please now carry on in the same way. Not just as though I was there with you, but much more because I'm not. Your task now is to work at bringing about your own salvation and naturally you'll be taking this with utter seriousness after all. God himself is the one who's at work among you who provides both the will and the energy to enable you to do what pleases him. Don't get me wrong here, what Paul's saying is for followers of Jesus, I want you to work at bringing about your salvation, your new life with God. When someone decides that Jesus is who he says he claimed to be, God's son in the flesh, who lived and died and rose for them, for someone who places their faith in him, they are forgiven and washed clean and welcomed into God's eternal family. If, if you like, they have a new life and a new experience with God that he invites them to work at working it out. You're not buying your way to God. You're actually living out the relationship that you have encountered. And Paul says, I want you to do this with seriousness. I want you to work at, if you like. He challenges people to use their time wisely. In another place in the book of Ephesians, writing to a group of Christ followers in Ephesus, he writes this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what God wants you to do, what the Lord wants you to do. That phrase there, make the most of every opportunity, in some translations, literally it says, redeem the time. As someone who follows Jesus, and if you hear this morning and saying, I want to honour God with my life, he asks us, invites us to think about time differently. He says, I want you to reclaim it. I want you to redeem it. I want you to use it wisely. So in the rest of the time we have together right now, I want to focus on three things that might help us to answer that question and to redeem our time and to use it wisely in 2015. The first thing I want to say when it comes to understanding time, and Steve spoke about this last week so aptly, is that what you need to do in order to designate your time, because the difference between coming the person you want to be and not, has to do with the allocation of our time. The first thing that we need to be able to do is know what we say yes to in our life that will help us say no to other things. I loved it last week, Renee was here and she was talking about her as a family. And as a family, they have spent time, taking time to actually work through what are their values as a family. And as a result of that, there was three or four core things that they said are important to us, just like Cam was sharing about this morning. And as a result of that, they've formed a bit of a family mission statement and they act and make decisions accordingly. Part of that process of sorting through values enables them to say, these are the things I will say yes to in my life and these are the things that will, if you like, fill in the gaps along the way. I so like that idea this week that I've been trawling through internet sites and I have found there are gazillion values sort of cards out there. In fact, I brought this morning with me five handout copies, sheets of values that you this morning can go away and say, I'd like to work on that personally. 
I'd like to work on that as a family and you can take that with you. I was uh, touched by one of the, the, the websites that someone said, this last year, it was his final note that he'd written in the website, this last year I have given myself to creating a space where people can access value cards so they can go through this process of working out what's important to them. As a result of it, I have determined that my time with my kids and my wife is so important and I have done some reflection on my efforts and work I've put into this website over the past year that this will be my final and last post. It's taken so much of my time that I'm going to apply the values that I'm talking about. Goodbye. I like that. They're applying and using this whole principle of how to use their time based upon their values. They are learning to say what yes to say to and therefore helps them say no to other things. I liken it to this bowl. If I take out these larger balls, there's a bowl filled with a whole bunch of same, equal sized white foam balls. If you like, this can reflect many of our lives. And, and if we're not careful, we can allow every little piece of minutia in our world that comes our way to, if you like, fill our bowls. The problem with this bowl is that every single ball is the same size. But there might be things in here that are far more valuable than other things. Spending time with friends. Spending time, as Cam was talking about, honouring God. And, um, taking time out to refresh and energise and for health. If I don't determine what are the most important things along the way, it's easy for all of the things to take the same amount of time to fill my space before I've even determined what I'll be doing during the week. And so the process of going through and learning what is valuable to me allows you, if you like, to place the larger things, the most important things, in your bowl. And if you notice, the other smaller balls, they kind of just wrap themselves around. There may be the distractions, there may be the bills to pay, there may be the, the, the telephone call that came at random or the thing that broke down. Yeah, they have a place in our lives, but they don't fill all of the time. See, the first thing we need to understand when it comes to redeeming time or using time effectively is knowing what to say yes to in our lives and it helps us, if you like, to say no to other things along the way. Let me ask you this, who do you want to become in 2015? And have you taken the time to sit down and say, what are the things that are most valuable to me so I know where my schedule will fit, so I know what it would look like before it gets consumed with every other thing along the way? Who do you want to become in 2015? When we were over in the Philippines, at Christmas time, we met a lady. We'd booked our trips through her. She was a travel agent. We had no idea that she was actually one of the workers living, not living on, but working in the, the um, children's home where we were. Her name was Miles, and she organised all the travel arrangements for international people that would arrive at the centre. As we got to know her a little bit better, she shared with us that she has a passion. We said, what is that? She said, well, I run a youth group. What kind of youth group? Well, there's about 80 kids that turn up to my place or the place at the top of the space where I live and, and I run youth group. So what does that look like? She goes, it means that I feed them about four times a week. We meet at the top of my house in the apartment block where she is. Are you kidding me? So we went along to this youth group. 
Here she is rescuing kids out of all different kinds of situations and, and, and they love her. She pours her life into them. And we were so taken by this. that She's a single mum along the way as well. And I thought, my goodness. She just pours herself into other... And, and what does she do? She works so she can actually pay the bills so she can run this. We're so impressed by this. We went, this is the lady who's determined what her yes is. So you can say no to other things. Who does God want you to become in 2015? You see, the, the, the difference between sometimes having an idea and an inspiration and a value and see it actually affect change in our lives is how we allocate our time. If you like, the second thing we need to consider is putting time in the diary first. Many of you would have heard the name of the author, John Grisham. John Grisham, in his former life, used to be a lawyer and he hated practising law. <laughs> and he wanted to write books. So he determined this, that at the beginning of each day, he would wake up one hour earlier, he would drive into his workspace and devote that first 60 minutes of his day writing one page that would contribute to building a novel. One page, 60 minutes, reclaiming time. It just so happens that John Grisham is a follower of Jesus and over the past number of years he has sold more than 300 million books around the world. All because he determined one day that the thing he'd say yes to and that was so passionate about also took priority in his diary and so he would make it happen and he would designate that time he'd go into work one hour earlier to do something he wanted to say yes to in his life. Now, I'm not sure if you have a diary or how you operate your life in this way, but I'm kind of the old-fashioned kind of person. I have one of these. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's actually a diary. Yeah, some of you might use Palm Pilots, all different kind of devices, but I'm still old-fashioned. I kind of like to see my week at a glance and I kind of want to be able to flick through and hold pages and I can hold it in my hand. I know when I'm going astray is when I lose the diary, but I do know this after using one for many years now, is that there is a difference between ink and pen in my, sorry, there's a difference between ink and pencil in my diary. The pencil are the things that I can erase out. The ink is the thing that doesn't change. I don't like messy diaries. I don't like to cross things out. So when I place it in my diary, I like it to stay. If I'm convinced about it, it's ink. If I'm not, maybe pencil. So if you see me organise a diary date with you and I put it in pencil. <laughs> see, the power of a diary is simply this, is I know when it goes in the diary, there's a greater chance of it actually happening and occurring and taking place in my life. And that's the same power that you have too. You see, the power of a diary enables you to not only having determined what your values are, but to arrange them in such a way that you can set a trajectory in your life to see real change taking place. When you place the things that are most important to you in your diary first. I love what Cam said about first with finance, what that looks like. 
In fact, this week I've started a new, I've brought exercise book and I start to write at the top of it really this, this idea of who does God want me to become? Or who do I want to become in 2015? And it's caused me to start to reflect and place ideas about values. And, and as I've come across the larger things, I've started to reflect. What would my diary look like if relationships were really significant and valued to me? To me this year, what would it look like? In 2014, there were some nights when I got home and at our uh, family time in the Arnott household, meals together is important. Before anything else happens in the evening, we try and spend meal time together. That is without the television, just being able to sit and talk. And then after that, what we like to do is if we can have, if I can have an interaction with one of my children, uh, maybe read a story, um, pray together, um, maybe just talk or maybe just anchor myself in their room if I can get in, that, that's important to me. There are times during last year where I would get up from the kitchen table and the question that the kids would ask me is, where are you going tonight, Dad? And they asked that a couple of times so the kind of penny dropped and I realised, ooh, is the expectation that Dad's out most nights? Because I wasn't dressed to go anywhere, kids. I was, I'm, I'm home, Dad, tonight. Yeah? And, and so I think about that. If relationships are important to me, what place will they have in my diary if I put the word home or if I put the, the date with the, the child that I want to connect with? Does that go in first or last? Is it the extra things that I looked at? Or is it actually the first thing that goes in? There's some of us here who are married and I know how it works. You spend so much time uh, energised in other things when you come home. The last thing that sometimes we do is actually spend time with one another. Uh, but I want to tell you, in relationships, if you want the drift to happen, the first thing that goes is time in the diary to spend together reconnecting. And so if I want relationship with uh, uh, my wife or if you're a grandparent and you want to have a great relationship built with a child, with a, with a grandchild, or if you're an auntie or an uncle, uncle and you want to be great auntie, great uncle, uh, or you're a friend and you want to encourage, what needs to happen is that you need to designate time in the diary first. Let's take another one. Let's talk about faith. Maybe for you this year, faith is something that you want to you get serious with and say, God, what would it look like this year to have a God-honouring, shaping faith? What would that look like? And, and for some people, 15 minutes a day. Cam, cam shot for the 30. 15 minutes a day. Designate. I'm going to drive to work. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to put on some um, praise and worship music to listen to. I'm going to designate time to read and listen and say, God, will you speak to me? The 15 minutes a day, some people will put that aside and say, that is locked in. Other people might say, you know what? I, I want to connect in a church a bit more regularly this year. I'm going to, I'm going to lock that in. You know, sometimes I, I occasionally, after a, a gathering, some people will say, you know, I'm so glad I came today. God really spoke to me. And, and I love that. I love hearing that. that that's brilliant. Uh, but I have this counter-conversation that runs through my mind. Can I tell you? It goes something like this. What else were you thinking of doing this morning? 
Like, were you just going to wake up and kind of lean over and say, oh, I, I suppose I could, or maybe I'll just waffle it this morning, or, or maybe I'll just go for a while, or maybe I'll just sleep in. Is, is, is that what was going through your head? What I discovered is one of the greatest lies in Christian Australia, the portion of those who attend, one of the greatest lies in Australia for people who want to follow Jesus goes something like this. I don't need to regularly go to church in order to grow. I can do it myself. And I meet those people all the time. Uh, the, the problem is that I know that spiritually, if you want to drift, the first thing that goes is regular connecting with a group of people who are also followers after God. <laughs> the first thing. In fact, some people, they extend the lie a little bit further and they say, actually, I have a church of my own. You see, I cycle on a Saturday morning and I meet with other people who also kind of want to orient their lives around following God and so that's what I, I, I do. And we kind of connect in and, and because we're God followers as well, that's kind of my church. And I have this counter conversation running through my head that goes something like this. No, it's not. It's you wanting to go to cycle. Uh, do you actually stop along the track and sing praise and worship songs as you go? Do you actually designate time to meet with God? Do you actually open up a Bible when you get to the coffee shop and say, let's explore this together? Do you call yourselves a church or are you a group of people who cycle? Now, I could push this out a little bit further to people who work in all different kinds of areas. But there's also those who actually work in different areas of their life that have to do with, um, let's say, God-shaped or God-focused things like uh, organisations that might have a Christian flavour or schools. There's a lot of teachers here who go to school that also be God-focused school. And one of the challenges along the way with that is that you might say, well, I, I meet and I have my vocation locked in also with uh, my passion in my faith, and so that can become a church for me, if you like. And I have this counter conversation that runs that goes, no, it's not. Do you do the, uh, and here's the test. Could you go to your boss and say, I know what the year 11 curriculum is, but I've decided that we're going to spend more time with our year 11s praying together over the next six weeks. In fact, we've put the curriculum aside and we're going to spend time doing Bible reading. Is that okay? No. The boss would, rightly. And so what I discover is this, is someone wants to actually grow in their faith with God that's in the diary, locked in, attend with God's people. Make this a priority in all we do. Am I pushing too hard? Let's take another one out. Let's call this the health one. Some of us need to actually move our bodies more this year. We need to move our bodies because when we do, our heart rates go up and our quality of life and our mental health and well-being is increased. In fact, maybe one of the best things you can do this year is walk the block five times a week because the longevity in your life and redeeming the time you have will actually enable you to be more effective in your world around about. Let's just reach into the, the last one, finances. That might be one of the blocks that you determine. Finance and saying, I don't want to go from crisis to crisis in my life. What I want to do is actually get a hold for the first time of my finances. So the best word that you can put in your diary will be cap, cap money course. How can I reclaim that um, and, and find out how to use my finances well, well and, and in a healthy manner and in a God-honouring way? What would a God-first diary look like for you? Ink in the diary first. My last one is this. Wait for the accumulation. 
Is there a bunch of people here and like me that we might start something and it lasts for how long? And then it just falls away to the side. So let me ask you this morning. You need to wait for the accumulation to see the growth and the effect take place. I love what Dory said to Marlon. You see, in reclaiming her time, she said, with you, I remember better. You see, one of the most powerful things that you can do in reclaiming your time and answering that question, who do you want to become, is when you anchor your decisions in relationship with someone else, someone who will cheer for you, someone who will celebrate the good times with you, someone who will encourage you and push you and pray for you and stand with you because you realise that going it alone is really hard. Waiting for the accumulation in your life. So let me ask you, and finally, just finish with this. Who do you want to become in 2015? Who do you want to become? And if God got a pen and grabbed your diary, what would he write in it? This morning, if you take these three things, know your yes. Ink in the diary first. Wait for the accumulation. Who knows? There are some of us here who 2015 needs to be the best year to be a great dad, to be a great uh, worker in your space, to be great at getting hold of finances, breaking that addiction, growing like you never have before with God, all because you've taken this day and this time seriously. We're going to listen to a song in a moment that's just going to be allowed for reflection. But during that song, I brought some things here with me. If you want to take action about this today, I've brought a gazillion of these exercise books. One of the things you could do is get up out of your seat whilst you're reflecting and say, I want one of these. And I'm going to write on the first page, who do I want to become in 2015? This is your diary. This is your book to record and reflect in. If you want to grab some values, you can do that from there. There's a sheet of paper on your your chair that tells you some other access points to go to. And it's not a diary. Sorry, it's a diary, not a dairy, if you read that through in point number two. What I want you to think about this morning is allow God to speak to you in this space and make some decisions that could make your 2015 not just good but great and as you're hearing the words of this song you might want to get up out of your chair and come and take one of these now or afterwards as a way of acting upon it